Hello, Governor. Y yeah, I, I don't have a witty intro for this week. Assuming. Um, hello and welcome to the post-Super Bowl episode of Hello, Governor, the podcast. I'm Abdullah. I'm Tom. And, um, I say post-Super Bowl because, uh, a lot of stuff has dropped, and, and usually when I say Super Bowl, I mean, it's just an excuse for us to talk about trailers, and let's just get right to it. Uh, the solo trailer looks fucking awful. Oh, God. I mean, it's not a long trailer, it's only literally about a minute long, and it was more of a teaser trailer, to be honest, but, um... The only thing I can say good about it is that at least it looked accurate to where they want to set it. But apart from that, it's a film that no one asked for. I think no one wants to see a young Han Solo. Yeah, because um, someone did made, I think I said this before on the podcast, or if I, if I hadn't, I'll say that right now. To Star Wars fans, one thing I, I don't think they'll ever accept is uh, someone else's Han Solo, because to them, Harrison Ford is that character, and they will not accept anyone else in that role. Yeah. Same thing with Bi same thing with Billy D. Williams as Lando. I mean, no disrespect to um, Donald Glover; he's a great uh, rapper and actor, but he's no Billy D. Williams. <laughs> not even close. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. But I think. <sighs> Yeah, it just looks... I can tell from the tone of it, you can tell the film was originally meant to be comedic, but they're trying to make it more serious. Well, you can tell, like, this... From the trailer, I can tell, like, um, which scenes were reshot and what, which scenes were from the original draft. Did, did you hear that apparently about 90% of the film was reshot? Yeah, I know, because the two directors that they hired had quit... And they replaced them with Ron fucking Howard, of all people. Which I feel sorry for the guy because, you know, he, he's had a pretty up-and-down career when it, comes to his, when it comes to his films. And I don't think he's a bad director, but, uh, you know, him coming in to do damage control on this was not pretty. Not yeah. fucking pretty. It's kind of the same with Josh Whedon with um, Justice League, to be honest. Because pretty much he had to rewrite and reshoot a lot of stuff from that and surprisingly he still did not get a fucking director credit for that but but they gave him head writer though well i mean considering you know the quality of the fucking film you know yeah exactly <laughs> but it's still like seriously i mean it's not a bad movie but i i just think that um it could have been better I mean, it's not oh. the, it's not, I don't think it's the worst movie of 2017. Oh, God, no. Not no. even close. Oh, of course not. But, yeah, like, like you get this respect stuff, you see the Millennium Falcon, you see young Han Solo, you see a young, um, um, forgot his fucking character's name now. Lando? Yeah, Lando. You see young Lando, and you see the mental figure for them, and you see Chewie at the very end when you hear him. Yeah, it's, just, it's it's just it feels like bad fan fiction, really does, and, and not even fan fiction. It feels like a fan movie, like oh, young Han Solo. It's like, what's your name, son? Solo. Ugh. I want someone to do a re-edit of that now. Basically, say, what's your name, and it just cut away to I'm Solo, I'm Han Solo <laughs> from 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 Just Dance. Oh God, yeah. And then, then straight off that, you get get the modern. You you get the Harrison Ford um, from from the original Star Wars film, basically just shooting it. <laughs> Perfect, genius. 
I think I think the problem with it is like like you said, no one asked for this, and I mean I understand what Disney's trying to do, but but the problem is is like Star Wars should feel like an event. It's not a franchise that we should get like every fucking year. Like yeah. it, it just I I. I I don't know. I mean, with the, especially like this coming out like after the Last Jedi and how goddamn polarizing that movie is. Yes. And and I would say like if if I was in Disney's position and and, and I saw the rep- the reception that the Last Jedi got, I would just come out and say, okay, we're pushing back uh, Episode um, Nine till twenty twenty one when all this shit fucking dies down. <laughs> Again, I wouldn't push the films back. I was just personally what I would have done. This is just my opinion. Just don't bother with the in-between films. Yeah, it's just stupid. Spend that extra year focusing on the next Star Wars film. Give give you their two years to, to focus on just one Star Wars film. I think that's why I feel the magic of this. This is me personally. I'm not the huge Star Wars fan, but I feel like Star Wars is very, very, very quickly, quicker than Marvel has. I'd give give Marvel credit for for that, but it feels it came very monopolized and very like, oh, okay, here we go. It feels like, why do we need this film? Why do we need this coming out now? And you, you know, it's just like you just sit there and it's like, okay, right, here's the film. We're gonna get the Star Wars for me. Yeah, I feel it kind of uses its charm and magic a little bit, you know. And it's kind of dumb. It's kind of dumb because they're trying to compete with themselves. They really are. They're trying to compete with, like, the Marvel movies, and I'm like, you know, people go to these Marvel movies because they're the spectacle that Star Wars was once was, you know? Yeah. Like, I mean, yeah. we're and let's not kid ourselves, some of the Marvel movies ain't that fucking good, but people go see them because, you know, it's, it's, um, they oh, want, yes. they want mindless entertainment, and this is like, that's what the, the MCU does best more than anything else. It's, it's fun, mindless entertainment for people who just want to waste two hours watching a movie and forgetting how fucked up the world is right now. Yeah, and that's what I mean, and people have been enjoying, um, have been enjoying the Marvel films to the most extent of what, what it has been, and, um, I mean, some people enjoy certain Marvel movies over everyone. Like, for instance, I know people who really liked Civil War, and then I know some people who didn't thought it was a bit of a letdown, or some people who really liked Ant-Man, and then some people who didn't like Ant-Man, and then some people who liked Doctor Strange, and then some people that do like Doctor Strange, you know. But I think with Marvel, the difference with Marvel and the Star Wars property with Lucasfilms is that I think that with Lucasfilm, they're going in the wrong direction with Star Wars. They It feels very committee nice you know star wars feels like it's very like okay this is what we need to do we need to do it carefully with marvel i feel like to that to extent but not as badly as star wars is like i can understand why we get a marvel superhero every single year because we're not yet we're getting a different superhero every single year with star wars oh look it's another star wars film it's just still the same brand and property yeah, it's kind of it's kind of what I was worried that they were doing with Marvel when it first started, when they did like Iron Man, and then like Iron Man Two came out like not too long after that, and it yeah, just felt it just it just did not feel right because Iron Man was not that long ago, and it's just like oh god, and I just I just hated that movie because they would like stop the movie and just shill out the Avengers, it's like oh no no the Avengers is coming the Avengers is coming, and it's just like. I paid money to see an Iron Man movie. I did not pay money to see a fucking Avengers advert. 
which is unfortunate because that was that's what Iron Man two was just one giant Avengers advert. Yeah, and be quite frank, I don't want that. <laughs> I Nothing mean, no one does. And and I mean, I don't. And that's that's kind of and that's kind of what I feel like they're heading with um the Star Wars stuff because like it feels like an ad for the next movie. It's like oh Star Wars, you know. Uh, Please don't forget about us. Yeah, you know, it's just, I mean, I like Han Solo, he's a great character, you know, pop culture icon, yada, 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 but I don't, I don't think he's that much of an interesting character to, to warrant his own film, especially like a younger version of the character. Yeah. Because to me, the, but the, to me, like, and this is me speaking from a writer, from a writing standpoint, um, to me, Han Solo works best when he's a supporting character because he's the wild card and yes. you know you, you don't know which side he's on you know he could screw over the good guys any minute or you know he could have like one trick up his sleeve and 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 you know get out of um, a certain situation and, yeah. and and it makes him a perfect foil for Luke who is this you know naive farm boy who wants to go on an adventure while you know Han has already been on various adventures and knows the galaxy and knows um the ins and outs of it, and he's more cynical, which makes him a good foil to Luke's uh, optimism. I just hope this film is just not just not the origin for um, someone. I was listening to someone else about this, and they basically said, "How stupid would it be the plot? The basically the one of the main plot points of this film would be because you remember at the very start with the first time we meet Han, he basically bragging about how he ran through the dead truck." He ran through some sort of quadrant in space, and it's like, that's impossible. He went, well, you know, it's in my ship. Maybe in this film he does that, you know? Oh, we do see the Millennium Falcon towards the end, like, flying through the... <laughs> quadrant or something, or yeah. something like that. So it might be, that, that that might be the big payoff sort of thing. He does do that. I mean, Rogue One was based on one line from the, from A New Hope, which is a uh, number of X people died to get those plans. So yeah. there you go. That's your fucking movie. Right. I mean, it just. I, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm still, I'm still gonna stand by my word. I think this is gonna be like the biggest Star Wars flop in history. This is like gonna be the first Star Wars movie to flop or underperform at least. And that does kind of suck in that sense, you know, because it's like I don't want these Star Wars films to suck, but at the same time, I'm like, I kind of do because I want Disney to realize that we don't. Well, for a large majority of fans, I think they don't want a Star Wars film every single year, you know? Yeah, I mean, because, like I said, I know a lot of people like Rogue One. I'm sorry, I thought it was boring. I tried watching it, couldn't get into it. And I, and I, just, I, just, and I just sat there thinking, wow, this could have been... You think of like all the money you could have saved improving uh, Last Jedi if you had just taken the year off from working on this movie and put all the work on, you know, that movie. Yeah, exactly. You know, sure, you, we might have not gotten Rogue One, but I think we would have gotten a better version of Last Jedi because from what I hear, Last Jedi feels like a mess, like a movie that was rushed into production way too fast and it, it kind of shows. So, oh, I mean, oh Disney needs to wake up, man. They need to really wake up because, um, you know, first they had like the polarizing reception of Last Jedi and now this is going to probably going to get another polarizing reception 
and might even cost them money at the box office. So I'm kind of worried of where they're going to go with episode nine. Yeah, that kind of does suck. I mean, again, I'm not really that big of a Star Wars fan, so it really doesn't bother me, bother me all that much, to be quite honest. But. Well, I mean, it doesn't bother me that much, but at the same time, I know a lot of people who are Star Wars fans, and I know this this is proven time and time again, a proven fact when it comes to Star Wars fans. If you upset them enough, they will turn on the property, and they have done it before with the prequels, and they might do it again. Well, he's kind of showing that they are well, turning they... on this a bit. Well, they did that with, um, they're doing that right now with The uh, Last Jedi, because that is, like, hands down the most polarizing Star Wars movie ever made. Yeah. Like, very rare, I mean, look at the IMDb page, all the reviews are terrible. That's one they used, I mean, it's one of those things, all the critics basically gave, um, really good score reviews for the film, but no one really... Everyone who did, everyone else that gave it reviews that were not critics... Didn't give it favorable reviews. So there is a divide. I'm sorry. Don't tell me that, oh, no. No, it's just trolls. Really? Really? Because <laughs> um, there seems to be a shitload of uh, low-star reviews on IMDb. Are you telling me a bunch of trolls got together to write all these fucking reviews and have them pop up immediately on the site? <laughs> you know? Yeah. I smell a dirty rat. Yeah, I know. It's just like, uh, and you have all these damage control outlets coming in and saying, oh, you know, ignore the reviews, just go watch the movie. It's like, God, get the fuck out of here with that bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> it's usually just going, get the fuck out. <laughs> yeah, I mean, because it's so stupid. Like, you know, like, we, we, we live in an age where people obviously get paid off to, to, um, well, I mean, I, I, I'm not gonna call them journalists because they don't fucking, they're bloggers. They're fucking bloggers. And we live in an age where these bloggers write anything and tout it out as fact. Yeah. And, and, um, I'm starting to get sick of it. And, you know, I know a lot of people are, get, a lot of people are getting sick of it. Uh, we were talking before, uh, before we started recording about a Forbes article saying, oh, uh, Activision is working on a new Crash Bandicoot game. And I had heard nothing about uh, of the sort. So unless this person is le- knows a fucking insider from Activision who told them that they're working on a, on a new Crash Bandicoot game, I I'd like to, I I think you're full of shit, sir. Yeah. Well, I mean that's how. Um, God, what, what what was it? It was. Um, I'm trying to remember the name of the company now. Um, there was some how Sega accidentally got. Again, we're not saying, again, take it with a grain of salt, but I remember when Sega was making the Dreamcast, that's how it got it got got the word out because someone knew someone from Sega and for, from the press showed them to it and then he let it slip to another member, two other members of the press and they published the whole story. Like, it's not uncommon, but, you know, yeah. You know, with this, day, with this day and age, with all the... Because we've seen, like, fake stories, like, pop up before, and then publications apologizing for it, saying, oh, well, we didn't we didn't have... Uh, our sources weren't credible. We're sorry. We're never going to... We're not going to do it again. But then they do it again. <laughs> you know, we've seen this happen time and time again. And I just don't trust film film critics or, you know, the people who blog for these sites anymore because it's all clickbait. Yeah, he basically just sit there. He's like, "God damn it!" 
it's like not telling me something I want to know. It's not like citing any sources. You notice how you notice this, right? You know, it's like none of these articles cite any fucking credible sources. Like they just say, oh, from an anonymous source or or so and so told told us, you know, that they're doing this. It's just like, come on, man. Yeah, it's just that and the other. But I mean, I'm not looking forward to Han Solo film. I'm not going to see it, to be honest. And I've got no plan to see another Star Wars film. To be quite frank, in the theaters, I just I'm sick and tired of wasting my money every single year to go and see a Star Wars film, which I know I. If I do enjoy, I enjoy it to a certain extent, but I won't really enjoy it as much as, like, another person. I mean, it's like, if you're upset, upsetting the main fan base of it, I'm saying not all fan base are right, but it basically, if you're just going to release something that yearly and you're just doing it because you want to make a profit off it and you want to sell toys, which they clearly are, and I know they already made, made their money back from the toys themselves, but, you know, it's just phenophorous. Why, why bother? I mean, that's that's kind of the problem with merchandise-driven um, driven properties. It's just, it, it is what it is. It's just, I mean, this is nothing new. This is this is like this this is um this been it's been around since the '80s and '70s and way before that. I mean, I'm not against that type of practice, but I think I, I would much rather have a film have. Stoles. Star Wars is the biggest one, and everyone knows Star Wars is the biggest one out there. So when they fuck up, people will notice it, and then they will not let them forget it. Yeah, because like when the when the last Je- when the last Jedi came out, you know, and that had a polarizing polariz- polarizing reception. Um, it the internet just blew up. Like you could not go anywhere without hearing about that movie, and that is amazing because. Even when a new movie comes out, like um, you'll you'll hear like some you know a couple of people talk about it here and there, but not all, not everywhere. Like, yeah, but, but, but but with you know Last Jedi, everyone was talking about it. Like everyone. You know, I mean, I even know new people who didn't even see The Force Awakens. My fiance was not into Star Wars. She said to me, "Oh, when are we going to see the Last Jedi?" I'm like, "Hang on a minute, we have you haven't even watched The Force Awakens." He went, "Yeah, and do I need to watch it to watch this?" And I'm like. It's I a sequel said, yeah, to a yeah, movie. <laughs> yeah, it, you, you kind of do. Uh, I just said to her, have you seen any of the Star Wars film? And I went, yeah, some of the originals, I think. And I'm like... Okay. I'm like, but but yeah, again, this is not to diss on my fiancé, but what I'm getting at is that it was so well talked about. Someone who doesn't even like science fiction like my fiancé, she can't stand it. She can't stand Star Wars in that general. She wanted to see it, still. Yeah, because that's the power of hype. That's the power of yeah. marketing. I mean, I'm not really, you know me, I'm not a big Marvel fan, but I might actually go see Black Panther in a theater because it kind of looks, looks interesting. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I mean, I'm more happy. I, I'm, you, you know what the big selling point for me was as someone who enjoyed watching films was, um, the selling point for that film was for me. What? Was the fact that they got the director from Creed. And how well the director on Creed did with Creed, you know. I mean, that's what sold me on it before I saw the trailer stuff. But again, vice versa. Like you, you like liked it because you, from what you've seen from it, it looks it's got you hyped for it, and it, there's something. In well, the trailer. I mean, I mean, two things, two things got me hyped for it. Um, one was like some of the trailers; they were really um, well done. They looked interesting. 
And second, and most importantly, the thing that really got me hooked was the fucking soundtrack. Oh yeah, the soundtrack is a, it's like one of those. Um, it's like I was saying this that in that case, it's the same case as Guardian of the Galaxy because because I will say, even though their trailers were not great, but the music they used in the trailers were really really good. Yeah, you know? I mean, I'm, I'm I'm not talking about the music they used for the soundtrack. I'm talking about like the the soundtrack for the actual movie that that's being composed composed by. Um, Kendrick Lamar, I think that. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, I mean it. It's because I'm a huge hip hop guy, and and when I heard like he's doing the, he's doing an entire album based on that, and I listened to like uh, King's Dead, which is one yeah. one of the songs from from the album, and that was like, holy shit! <laughs> I gotta yeah. see that movie. I gotta see this movie now because this song is fucking badass. <laughs> what I mean is, again, with Marvel, you can't knock them when they go full out for making a film and they want to style for said film, they will fucking go for it. Yeah, I know. You know? And this is like, especially weird because, like, I mean, these movies have not ever used hip hop before. And I'm a huge yeah. hip hop fan. So when I heard, like, they were, you know, Kendrick was doing the soundtrack, I'm like, okay, this is interesting. And then I listened to to King uh, King's Dead and I'm like, holy shit, I gotta buy this fucking soundtrack because this is yeah. amazing. And again, going back to our topic, which was the Han Solo trailer. Uh, I'm, but, I'm sorry, I was talking about something more interesting. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, but 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 no, no, no. no it, this does relate to what we were talking about with the music. Like when I watched the Han Solo trailer, when I heard the music, I went, "I've heard this all before." You know, it's nothing new. Like, uh, I know Star Wars got an iconic music sound to it, and everything like that, but change it up a bit. Come on. I mean, yeah, yeah, God. I mean, this is like why I could never really get into film scores. Like, oh God, I'm gonna get so much fucking hate for this, but I I don't know how you personally feel about this gentleman, but I cannot stand Hans Zimmer at all. I'm sorry. Well, I mean, funny you mention. I know a few people who don't just don't like Hans Zimmer because when I speak to him about it, again, I don't mind Hans Zimmer, but I can understand the criticism of it because one of the criticisms that I've always heard from him is that. Oh great, here's Hom Simmer here. Where are his, where are his trumpets? Yeah, he he loves to abuse that dawn sound. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I, I don't I don't dislike Hom Simmer, but I can understand why people don't like him. Again, I I can't really speak per se too much because, to be quite frank, I'm not a big music person per se, so I can't really. But you can't. But you can't. But you cannot deny that a soundtrack yeah. can help a film for better exactly. or worse. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. That's where my filmmaking side come out. Where yeah, the sound of sound and music can make and break a film. Yes, that's like that. I can understand with the whole thing of using music and using sound. I, I was. I mean, best example is like the Matrix sequels. They're they're shitty movies, but the fucking soundtracks. Holy shit. <laughs> yeah, I mean, for one of my um, student projects, we actually did use the, one of the Matrix soundtracks for one of the, one of the songs from the Matrix soundtrack. And then I remember when we had to premiere, basically when we had to show it off at our film festival that we had set up at our school, sort of thing at our college when we had people come in and watch it and stuff like that like people didn't realize it was a soundtrack from the matrix until the credits rolled yeah so i mean you know a good soundtrack can can help enchant a movie and a bad soundtrack can you know can um can really ruin it yeah and i think the problem with like you said with the star wars soundtrack is that it's too formulaic it's too safe it's like the same shit they've been doing for fucking ever and it's just like come on man 
I mean, Star Wars has been around for 50 years. It, its soundtrack has not changed since. Yeah, it's just, it's it's the same shit. It's just, look, I, I mean, not a, I'm not, I'm not taking jabs at John Williams' score. You know, he, he does fantastic work, but give someone else a shot, please. Is it John Williams doing the music yeah. for this film? Oh, oh God's uh, sake. Oh. Maybe, I don't know. But I know he did music for Last Jedi, so. Well, that's understandable. If it's for the main Star Wars films, I can understand why. But if it's like a spin-off one, I'm like, you know, if they just got someone in just to sound like um, John Williams, what's the point? You know? And that's another thing I want to talk about is the power of marketing. It's just oh, like, yeah. you know, you got to... Um, and this is me, like, speaking as a business major. Uh, what we learned, um, what I learned in college is that, you know, know your target demographic and know how to um, how to keep that target demographic coming back to you. So if they like one thing... Um, make, take a note of that and bring them back and, uh, you know, help expand on that thing. Oh, they like a certain soundtrack, uh, sound. They like a certain, um, sound to a, to a movie. Um, we will, uh, get someone new, but make it sound similar, but different enough to, to keep them hooked and, uh, interested. And at the same That's time, interested, and at the same time, introducing them to something new. That's the reason why, um, for instance, I know. I know this is kind of going against that, but again, it's the reason why I'm going to use a Sonic phrase here, for instance. That's the reason why I think why so many people would love the Sonic Adventure 1 and 2 soundtracks, you know? Like, they just change it just enough, but it's still the same. But those are arguably, like, two of the best soundtracks out of that franchise. Like you said, it's... I know some of the songs in it were done by different people, but the large majority was done by Crush 40. But what I'm getting at is basically they just change it just enough... Just to be different, but same, you know. And that's just, then that's the key to keeping a target demographic coming back. Yeah. And that's something I don't think Disney's trying to is is understanding because like uh, people criticize Force Awakens for being too samey, and then they just you know did something completely different with Last Jedi, but it was too different because then it's like, okay, this isn't Star Wars anymore. I mean, thank you for not uh, pandering to nostalgia, but this is way too fucking different. This doesn't feel like a Star Wars movie anymore. And now they're just like... I'll say it. They're trying to to make a Guardians movie out of a Star Wars movie. I just, it just just feel like that. It's like, okay, what can we do to play it safe? And then from the first film, basically, I feel like said, well, we played it too safe. Everyone's saying that we're just like... A new hope. Let's change it up completely, and then they went too far that way. So, oh dear, <laughs> that's that's all I've got to say. I, I I got really got nothing else to say about Star Wars at the moment. I think that I'm not looking forward to Han Solo. I'm not looking forward to the next final Star Wars film, and I'm just not looking forward to any more of the films. To be honest, I think I mean Rogue One's kind of killed the magic for me, and then the Last Hope. Um, the Last Jedi, just you know, you know, I just just didn't. It just didn't click, and I've never been a huge Star Wars fan. On top of that, you know, that's that's pretty much all I've got to say. And speaking of going in a different direction, oh boy! <laughs> so you heard us talk about something we we we're not fans of, right? Now hear us talk about something we're both fans of. We. For those who have been listening to podcasts for a long time would know, both me and Dor are huge fans of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. 
we've always has have been basically from the original incarnation, from the original cartoon, and then from when we were both. I would say the same with you. It was like when we were both kids, we both grew up with the original TMNT, and then we grew up with practically almost all the incarnations after that. Vice versa, you, you know. And, yeah. I've, and I've watched every incarnation at least once in my life. Yeah. Even the next mutation, which is just garbage, but that's besides the point. But um, they basically announced a new show for those that don't know. Uh, which and, is if you, and if and if you go back and listen to us, we actually were excited for this. If you remember, yeah, we were very excited for Rise of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, and well, um, over. Was it over the weekend? I can't remember. Basically, over the course uh, it of was, last it week. It was like uh, Thursday. Yeah, it was Thursday. Yeah. It's like an average Thursday with no announcement, no fanfare. Oh, look, here, here, here are the original designs of the characters. Oh, my God. What have they done? They came to my mind at first. I mean, I'll be, I'll be honest. They look horrible. They look atrocious, and uh, and to every to every motherfucker who complained about the live action Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, these are way worse. I where should we begin on this? Whose bright idea was it to give fucking Raphael uh Bill uh what was it batons police batons? Yeah, he he doesn't have his size. Yep. Raph again. Um, I mean um. After saying, Leo only has one sword. Yeah, he's now a one-handed uh, katana user, which is weird because in every incarnation of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Leo has two swords. That's yeah. that, he was the only member of the. Well, him and him and Raphael were the only two members of the team that had two weapons. But here he's the only. But here he has one weapon, and it's just like why. Yeah. Oh my. Oh my! And he has war paint. <laughs> Did you notice that? Oh my god! Now I look at it. Yes, he does. Oh, he has war paint, and the only design I don't hate is Michelangelo, which is weird because I'm not a fan of Michelangelo as a character. But he he's the least bastardized version of the entire yeah. cast. I mean, he was his knee pad base got uh, emote symbols on it, and. Um... Instead of the nunchucks, he got his little... What's it called? The little ball thing he had? It's a yo-yo. It's a fucking (laughs) yo-yo. I I know there's an actual name for it, because they did call... I know they did... They did change it to a weapon like that in the original show after, like, the first few seasons. They changed it to that. Because nunchucks are dangerous, don't you know? I know, right? (laughs) But but uh, Leo can keep his katanas and Raph can keep his side blades, but Michelangelo can't keep his nunchucks. Those are too dangerous. Yeah. Oh my god. Um. Why does um, Donatello look like a green version of Hit from Dragon Ball Z Super? <laughs> he seriously does with that forehead and that scowl. He he looks like um he's the laziest design because they just copy pasted the live action Don Donatello and just changed it up a little bit, and that's fucking lazy. And he got a do rag for his bandana. Yeah, because <laughs> so let me just because that so, because that shit worked great with the uh, next mutation, right? 
So let me get straight. So from what I get from the character signs of this, Donnie and Raphael are the oldest two, and then Leo and Michelangelo are the youngest two. And I hate the fact that they're different turtles. That pisses me off so much. Yeah, I just... There's something about it that really irks me with it. Well, apart from Splinter look like he's been hit hit several times with a dump truck. Splinter looks like a reject from Kung Fu Panda. I'm sorry, oh, he God, does. Oh, it does look like... Um, I can't remember the, the um, guy that... trays Poe po in the Kung Fu Panda films. Yeah, he looks like that. And, it, and it's weird because Splinter was a human, right? So in this incarnation... <laughs> He he was a in this incarnation, so he's basically a midget in this incarnation. Yeah, basically, it depends what continuity. Basically, I know from the original comic and the movies that he was a rat that was mutated into into what he was, and then I know in the original TV show, he originally was a human that was touched that touched a rat and then got mutated. You know, but I, but I mean, I'm more of a fan of the Hamada Yoshi incarnation of the character. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I get that. I mean, I know in the original Mirage um, comics, he was the pet of Amato Yoshi, and that's why he wanted revenge on Shredder. But, I mean, I think making the two characters, you know, one of the same worked a lot better, but that's just me. Yeah, I don't I don't get the choice in design. I don't get the hard... It looks like their weapons have got hard light abilities, sort of like with the Green Lantern rings and stuff like that, you know? Yeah, because that's not cool enough. No, they have to have them fucking glow. Yeah, sure. Yeah. And also, it sounds like that the main bad guy is going to be voiced by John Cena. Really? <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah, no, seriously, look it up. John Cena, he's playing one of the big villains in this, and then rumors have it that when Bromley might not even get Shredder to start off with. I don't want to see them touch Shredder. Please, God, no. <laughs> yeah, I can't remember who he's voicing, but he is voicing some... It sounds like some billionaire corporation guy or something like that. Oh, what? there we go, there we go. Uh, Baron Draxon. That, that sounds like an original character. Yeah. Well, I mean, if they, if he's a billionaire dude, why didn't they just get Vince? Vince would have been much better. <laughs> Yeah, but apparently he's a arcane warrior mutant who seeks to turn all humanity into mutants. So he's basically the Rat King? I would say a mix of the Rat King and Lord Dragon from Next Mutation. Oh, God. <laughs> I'm getting a vibe from, of that, you know? But let's talk about the elephant in the room, April O'Neil. Oh boy. Okay, right. Out of all these signs, she's the one I don't I I like the most. Really? Because <laughs> I no, no. hate okay, her. Okay, okay, okay. All gonna say, just look at the character side: Leo, Raph, Dot, Michelangelo, Donnie, and Splinter. I think she's up there as one of the best character signs out of all of them. Well, I mean, like I said, I think out of all of them, if I had to pick one that isn't terrible, I would say Michelangelo. Yeah, I, w- I would say that for the Turtles, but I would say if you didn't have to pick one of one of the Turtles or Splinter so far, you know, I, again, for a human character, it's what I expect it to be, you know, for a black teenage girl. My problem, my, my, my problem is it's not April. It's, it's just so bland, so bland I, and generic looking. 
I know in some of the original continuity that um, she used to be black. No, but... she wasn't. Was she? She was. She was never black. She was uh, originally. She was supposed to be Asian, but they. She was. She was supposed to be Asian, and she was named after a black woman. But then they realized that an Asian woman having the last name O'Neill, which is an Irish name, made no fucking sense. So they just made her um, white. She didn't get the puffy hair until the fourth issue of the um, the fourth issue of the comic book. Okay. Right. Fair enough. So she was never black. I'm sorry. <laughs> well, again, I'm reading the article of Dan and Geeks here, and basically they say we also get the first black incarnation of April O'Neil, although she might argue that the character was black in the no, original black wasn't. and white comic books. No, she wasn't. <laughs> yeah, well, that was said in the article here, so I'm reading <laughs> off the Den of Geeks article on the race images, so, <laughs> you know, that's what they're saying here. But, oh my God, it, yeah... John Cena voicing a new villain. I think the problem is like with with her design is just like not enough yellow and, and no red hair and it's just it's not yeah, April can, without without those two things. Yeah, I can understand that. I I can understand that, but at the same time, I'm like they're doing a new incarnation. Incarnation, and it, she's not a terrible, terrible design. I, I think the thing when it comes to these character designs, I want to see in motion because I know on past experiences, I know, for instance, when I remember when the Spectacular Spider-Man came out, when I saw the original designs for those, I went, oh my God, this animation is going to look horrible. But when you watch the episodes, I went, okay, this flows really nicely. So I'm curious to see how it flows, you know? I mean, I... Another problem I have with it is the fact that someone pointed this out on on Facebook. They said like they're too spiky with with edges, and it just and it just looks wrong. Yeah, it's very pointy. Their designs, yeah, like you've got the spikes, you've got the sharp corners and stuff like that. And the turtles never really been that sort of design. From what what I remember, they always have smooth edges and stuff like that. even in the original black and white comics. They were a lot more smoother and a lot more rounder in their designs. Yeah, and it just and I know why they're doing that because they need simplistic designs because you know, it's obviously they're gonna they're gonna animate this in Flash or Tune or Toon Boom. So yeah, I do have a very I've got a very sneaky fish, and this is being done in Flash. <laughs> Gotta save that budget. <laughs> uh, I because oh, sorry, because like... I, because I would imagine like the 2012 series cost them a lot of money because it was animated in 3D and 3D is not cheap. I've actually got around actually finishing off watching the rest of um, the well the 2012 run of Turtles now. Oh really? It took you this long? <laughs> I know. Well, I've been busy for the last yeah the last few months have been quite busy. But I actually did sat down and actually yesterday I actually sat sat down and actually managed to finish um, watching the last one. Um, Bebop's rocks that he wanted. So, and this is the thing I, I'm going to say. I am. I feel so. It's it's one of those old sayings saying, you know that saying when you go, when people say say, enjoy it while it lasts because you never know when it's going to go. And after watching Bebop's what Rock said he wanted special, I went, oh my god, I, I'm literally I'm going to miss this show, aren't I? Because it was actually out of all the stuff I didn't like in it. It was a lot of good stuff in it, you know. 
I would say, uh, once again, the best highlight was Krang. He was just great. Oh, my God, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's amazing that Pat Finley can still do that voice after all yeah. these years. And I mean, was it Kevin Michael Douglas to go in and play, play the original Shredder, unfortunately, because of the passing of James Avery? Yeah. He did a really good job sounding like James Avery as Shredder. Yeah, because um, again, he's a well, you know. <laughs> Don't say it. <laughs> I know exactly what you're going to say. Don't. But I, I will say this about that special as well is that they actually up the budget for the 2D animation bits. Yeah, it doesn't look like Flash now. No, it actually looks like modern, actually redone footage from the original show, but upscaled, you know? Yeah, which, I like. which makes me want to uh, an actual fucking Blu-ray Blu-ray release of that of that show in HD. Yeah, I mean, because I know they released it all on DVD now, but again, Blu-ray they haven't, and kind of want the Blu-ray. Yeah, it's just like, come on, guys. You know, I mean, not even like a home release. I would just like to see one one site to have it like on HD. You know, I mean, again, put it on Amazon Prime or I don't know Netflix or something like that. You know. Yeah, I would like to see it, because I know that they can do that. I know that there are uh, iTunes versions where it's widescreen and HD. You know, I've seen that. So, you know. And I know uh, Lionsgate owns the rights to, owns all the home home media rights to TMNT, so I don't know why they don't do that. I mean, they release every single episode of the current, and this is unheard of in the UK, they release every single episode of that show on DVD here in the UK. The whole time run, they released it on DVD. In separate DVDs, but they released it all. And that's unheard heard for for a modern day kids cartoon here in the UK. Me, Pete said they've done it for Sonic Boom here. They released <laughs> all, all the season one episodes on DVD here in the UK. Well, I mean, that's that's good, but at the same time, it's just like, yeah, you know. <laughs> we kind of want it on Blu-ray. I know. Yeah, I know. <laughs> this is my generation. Before, we would complain about stuff not being on DVD, but now we're just complaining about stuff not being on Blu-ray. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's kind of ironic, isn't it? Yeah. Um, but I don't know. I, I mean, I'm. I mean, I judge it fully until we get an actual trailer, but from what I've seen from the initial designs and what I've heard from, because I know they released some behind-the-scenes stuff when you actually did hear some of them doing the voices. Not bad, by the way. Yeah, but, but the problem is... I, the animation. But the problem is I can I cannot actually hear those voices come out of those character designs. I just don't no, think I they can't. would fit. <laughs> no, it's especially Leo. Cause I know what is it, the guy who voices Leo. Uh, ben Schwartz. <laughs> Yeah, he. I, I've heard his voice stuff, voiceover stuff that he's put online. And I know on the Turtle social media pages you can actually hear as well. He sounds really, really weird. And also, did you hear what he, what he said about Leo? How he described the character? To oh, him? he's he's not the leader. He's the fun-loving goofball. And I'm like, oh, have, oh have God! You, have you heard the newest one? What he said? He's the type of person that if his brothers were, if you go through his mobile phone, you would find him taking selfie with his brothers that are, that are asleep or tripping or falling over. Oh, God. And I, uh, I don't... I swear I'm to God, gonna... if they do selfie jokes, I'm out. <laughs> I'm fucking out. <laughs> yeah. Also, it looked like, well, it looked like they are going to have technology because I know in the post, in the big poster they released with all the characters on it, uh, we see April flying on a little hoverbike sort of thing. 
So it looked like they're going to have devices like that. So I'm just getting, I'm just getting an awful lunatics unleashed vibe from this. Fast forward. Oh God. Oh fuck that season. That season was awful. Yeah. I mean, I'm getting that sort of vibe from this. For those that don't know, um, way back in the year 2003, an actually good uh, incarnation of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles came out, made by four kids of all people. And because and also it was most accurate to the original black and white comics. Yeah. That in mind. <laughs> yeah, and Very because accurate. and because it was so good, four kids decided to step in and their all all their wisdom and say, you know what, this is great and all, but um, we need you to dumb it down. And we need to sell toys, so let's make them ride on space age equipment and gadgets, and let's send them into the future so we can have more mutants and all that sort of stuff. And let's just change the entire animation style and design and just fuck it. <laughs> and it was, and it, and it is to, to this day, the only black spot in that show's run. Yeah, and then when they did Back to the Sewers, it was like a bit too late. Yeah. But Turtles Forever was great. Oh yeah, Turtles Forever was great, minus the original voice actors, but it was great. (laughs) Shame we'll never get an uncut version of that. If you want an uncut version of that, hunt down the one that aired on TV, because that's the only way you're going to find it. That's the sad, sad truth. Um, Now looking at these designs, you know what Roth sort of reminds me of a little bit? What? A less mutated version of Leonardo in the um, Wrath Apocalypse Mad Max um, tribute episode. Oh, God. <laughs> Again, I, I, I love that uh, Mad Max um, homage they did in Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, but my God, Leo's look was horrendous. It didn't help that Seth Green's voice acting was terrible in that as well. <laughs> so, yeah. I can they basically said, yeah, we could not let this be the finale. <laughs> I can understand why now. But at the same time, I'm like, it's a, it's a good homage. So. I mean, I did like that little, um, the little lemur girl. She was interesting. Shame she, she was just a plot device. <laughs> I enjoyed Apocalypse Now one that well that Mad Max homage and especially all the references they put into it as well. I mean it was a really cool um, thing, but again I'm glad they Nickelodeon and the creators were like, no, we did not let this, let this be the finale. It's, it ends on too much of a downer, even though it's a happy ending. I just love the fact that they just find this mystical land that's not affected by the apocalypse and still has water. <laughs> yeah. Or better, yeah, what was the other one? The um the one that did that made me laugh was the um that the bomb they had in the turtle wagon was essentially was built into Casey's Jones skull. Did you notice the homage to that? The clever homage to the comics with that? Yeah. His um his mask was the American flag one which he wore in What was that again? I can't remember. In body I... count. Oh god, yeah, he did, yeah, fuck, yeah. Which was that, a that was cool which reference. was a one shot adult story written by Ke- written in by Kevin Eastman for Heavy Metal magazine back in the day. That's cool because I knew it was Casey Jones because basically one because of the mask. But even when they lift up the mask, you see the headbands and the missing teeth. 
that he had in the show. Yeah, I just I just love the fact that it was the American flag version. I'm like, yes, body count. <laughs> yeah. And also, it's kind of sad as well when you think about it. When well, so what you're telling me, Nickelodeon, that this Tina and T incarnation ends with, you know, all of them, everyone dying. Wasn't okay. April half mutant? No, April dead. Wasn't Cry a mutant? Nope, dead. <laughs> dead. Everyone was dead. And who dropped Everyone the bomb? Was... We don't know. <laughs> crying, crying, maybe. <laughs> but, you know, that's, that's why I'm glad that uh, Bebop and Rocksteady Most Wanted was their retcon of saying, no, 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 this, this is the finale instead. I mean, I, but, I, I, my problem with the Apocalypse one is, like, it dragged so long. Like, you watch that in one sitting and it just drags. It does drag. It really does drag. I think it's better in a form, in a formulaic episode sort of thing, you know? And I kind of, and I kind of liked it when it was just Raph, but then when you find the other brothers and it's just like, oh man, this is, you lost me. <laughs> Also, when when I saw the big main bad guy, I went, "Yeah, that's Leon." Yeah. <laughs> but no, I'm getting back to the Cut Turtles reboot cartoon. I am. I don't know. I I think. Um, I hope to God they don't do social media jokes because if they do, oh boy. I've got a feeling they will. It's like, oh, Leo, don't don't take pictures of this. What are you doing? I'm I'm posting this on social media. Don't. Well, at least we can say I don't know. At least we can say. Um... I will say this: the next next mutation, as shit as it was, at least that had fucking Scott McNeil. Okay. <laughs> Did he the guy who played the um, bounty yeah, hunter? Yeah, Bonesaw. Oh my god, that was a great episode. Even though, even though that was. A diabolical show. You can tell he was just chewing the scenery in that. In that he, he was in other episodes as well. I mean, at least you had him. Okay. <laughs> yeah. The best episode he was in was the bit when he's him hunting rough, and they're in that abandoned warehouse somewhere. <laughs> oh, I watched that episode on Netflix recently. Oh my god, it's fucking hilarious. <laughs> yeah, you could just tell he, whoever were the actors in the suits and him was just like having too much fun. Yeah, I mean, I mean, Scott McNeil's a fucking saint of a person. He's just fucking awesome, and and yeah, it's just at least it has that. But this, I I don't know. Like I'm, I I would say I will pass full judgment on it when I see a official trailer for it. Which I don't think, which I don't think we're getting until Comic Con, so it's gonna be a while. Yeah. But again, for the time being, we can go back and watch the 2012 or any other incarnation thing. And also, we still got the IDW comic, which are still fucking fantastic. Yeah, that, that's my favorite incarnation of Turtles right now. If you, if you guys have not read the IDW stuff... Oh, that's so good. Please do, because please do, they're just so well written, so, yeah. so well done. It, and also... Again, I keep, I've mentioned this before in this podcast, but I met Kevin Eastman back a few years ago. And remember when I was talking, talking to him about it, his passion for coming back and doing it. He, he's so over the moon about it. And I think he still is now. He's so happy to be doing it again. And also they let him doing his variations on the covers as well. You know, yeah. and he's still doing, he's still doing like cut variation cover and still doing, um, I think he, I think for the announcement of Rising Ninja, 
uh, Rise of the Teenage Mutant Turtle, he did a charity picture that basically is going to be go up for auction, and now and it's like whoever donate the much money on it, all that money is going to go to charity. I mean, he he also does um, from, from I follow him on Facebook, and he sells like a lot of old TMNT action figures. So if you're interested in that, you know, go check that out. If you're interested yeah. in, in buying wanna... in, in buying old action figures. Yeah, and also if you want to, um, if you want to buy any of his original artwork or art or prints or comics that he signed and stuff like that, just visit his um, website, which is fan com, and you can go there and you can find inside details, and also you can buy original piece of the artwork, toys, and uh, merchandise and stuff that he's made over the years, and he signs them all as well if you want want it to be signed. Okay. <laughs> yeah, and that's that. <laughs> yeah, shameless plug over. <laughs> yeah, Kevin Eastman, we love you. <laughs> yeah. Um. Uh, moving on to um, other disappointments. Oh boy. You know when I said DC was doing real well during the comics in Rebirth? Well. <laughs> well, here comes the giant. Oh fuck. They they announced that um, Bendis is going to be taking over as as head writer of Superman and Action Comics. Why you've had had one of the like DC? Just just screw your head back on for a second. You have had one of the best, arguably the best Superman runs since forever in your comics, and you're giving it up to give it to Bendis. And what pisses me off even more is the fact that they're giving him his own miniseries. But that wasn't enough, apparently. No. <sighs> no. We have to give him the two titles. So all that good continuity, that's gone. You're never going to get that again. All the great storylines that have been done so far? Nope. God. Why? Why? Seriously, DC, why? You were doing so well. You were beating the crap out of Marvel. In the comic division. Because, um, because he's Bendis, and unfortunately he signed a fucking contract with them. So... They just gave him Justice League. Seriously, Justice League have had not had a good writer at all since the reboot. That's the one comic book that has been suffering. Well, I mean, I don't, I, I don't know. I mean, I would say... I, I, would, I, would, say, I, would, I say, it. I would say, um, what was it? Green Lantern has not been very good as well. I think in some... I will say this, though. Um, I haven't read a lot of Green Lantern, but I will say it's been better than Justice League. Yeah, because Justice League... Uh, God, they always do this. They always juggle writers, but that's not here nor there. But my problem is it's just... I understand it was inevitable that Bendis was going to write for Superman or Batman... So I would, I w- my my idea w- would have been just give him his own miniseries and that's it. But no, no, we have to give him two fucking titles, not one, two. And both of them are being Superman. Yep. God. I mean, I don't. It really, really is more frustrating because of how good Superman has been at the moment and how good the Superman fan, all the Superman books have been so recently. Yep, all that's gone. 
Yeah, Superman's dead. <laughs> it, it really does annoy me because it's like you've had a, one of the best Superman runs since forever and you're kind of just like, okay, this guy who, by the way, is one of the original writers for the death of Superman. Death, of, Super, him in. death of Superman and uh, Man of Steel back in the day. Yeah, yeah, and you bring him back to do all this fantastic work and critically crame and done really well reviewed critical claim writing for a comic book and you're kind of basically saying no you've done what we need you to do oh here's the new writer yep and the problem is it's, like i mean the thing is it's like i wouldn't mind i mean if this was like 2005 era bendis this would have been awesome but it's not it's fucking 2018 bendis and 2018 bendis is fucking lazy is it bad to say that i am actually more I, I would have been I would have been less upset if it was uh, if if he if they announced he was doing Batman. I know that sounds petty, but you know what I mean. I mean, I know Tom King is a very controversial figure. I know that, and I know his writing isn't you know he's not the best in terms of Batman right now. But even he's better than Bendis. <laughs> okay, I give you credit for that. But I the little thing that it really annoys me with Batman is that Batman has for the large majority of the time, has had consistent good writers for him. Superman, on the other hand, has had a checkered past with being having good writers. And it's really, really is annoying when you have had one of the best Superman runs since forever with someone who's really, really passionate and know what they're doing with the character, and you're handing off to someone who has always has been a controversial figure in the comic book landscape when it comes to continuity and writing. His, my problem with Bendis is simple. He's not, like, terrible when it comes to writing, but he just, he writes what he wants to write. And if he, and if you tell him, like, oh, we want to do this the direction we're going, he's going to ignore you and write what he wants anyway. Now, is that the type of person you want writing for Superman? Fuck no. Oh, right, we end up with the Silver Age Superman again, and no one wants that. And the thing is, I think they will have a very tight leash on him, because... From what I've heard, DC have as has actually got editors. So I'm just hoping I keep a fucking tight leash on him. Yeah, I mean, for the love of God, do not, do not let this man anywhere in your crossovers, please. <laughs> God, no, that would be awful. Seriously, why can you not just give? Again, I know I keep harking on about this, but why the fuck did you not just give him Justice League? That's one book that's been struggling since day one, since the Rebirth relaunch. Oh, who knows? Again, with Green Lantern, I just, oh, this, this, this is seriously annoying me. I don't know why it's annoying me so I mean, much. I mean, I say Green Lantern because Green Lantern has not had a good writer ever since, you know, John's uh, stopped writing the book back in 20, 2012. Yeah, but at the same time, I'm just like, they could have gave him anything. They seriously could have gave him anything. They could have gave him a character that's again. Oh I, God! I he actually, I, mean, I know people are going to hate me for this, but they could have just given him a Damien book. It they would be could. It would have been great for that. <laughs> I know they just recently brought back Martian Manhunter in the most recent issue of um, DC Metal. They could have got him to do a Martian Manhunter book. Oh yeah, the previous one. Well, the previous Manhunter was kind of weird. Again, they, they haven't brought him back since. The new 52. <laughs> so they only just literally brought him back now in um, DC uh, Metal. Yeah, I mean, I would actually like to see that. I mean, Bendis can can do great things with, with Martian Manhunter. 
I mean, he's uh yeah. interesting enough character, and he's alien, and he has not ever had a good comic book run, so why not? Yeah. <laughs> Again, they could have gave it to him. They could have, I don't know, if they wanted to do it. Was it, um, oh, God, what's his name? Um, who's the non-Doctor Strange character in the DC Universe? Oh, Doctor Fate? Yeah, him. Oh, that'd they be interesting. I would like to actually see a good Doctor Fate run. They could have gave him Doctor Fate. They could have gave him Swamp Thing. Oh, not Swamp Thing, please. <laughs> well, again, if he did give him Swamp Thing, um, Alan Moore will probably come come out of his hole from somewhere and basically be like, Oi, you, you, you upset me. You're taking a something that I actually did enjoy doing. Fuck you. And also, fuck you, Jeff Jones, for doomsday clock. Yeah. I, I'm going back to my cave. <laughs> yeah, that's my Alan Moore impression. I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to try to do it again. Oh, yeah, fun fun fact. Someone actually said to me I sounded like Alan Moore. <laughs> I mean, you have to grow a beard for, for you to sound muffled enough as, as he does. <laughs> Yeah, but someone said that to me. It's, it's like, wow, do you realize you sound like a young animal? I'm like, no. Well, well, I mean, yeah. I mean, no, no. I mean, you don't have the York- Yorkshire accent. Yeah, exactly. I, I sound nothing like Alan Moore. I was actually sat down and listened to him recently. I'm like, I sound nothing like him. What the fuck? Uh, yeah. Sorry, so so okay, I'm getting off on that, but that, that just just came to my head. I'm like, hang on, someone actually called me. I sound like Alan Moore. The next Alan Moore. <laughs> I'm gonna get extremely salty and hide hide in a cave and have no access to social media ex- except for when my daughter wants to has, have a selfie with me. <laughs> and uh, I want to do charity stuff. Yeah, I'm actually not a bad human being. I actually do want to make society better and actually help startup companies and all that stuff. I mean, I will give more credit. I mean, he, he does, he has said that he's okay with uh, companies publishing his work, but he doesn't want any profit from it. So all the, all the sales from his books go to the artists and inkers and all the other people who worked on those uh, books. There you go. He's not a bad guy. He's just a very, he, he's literally like that grumpy granddad that you have over for Christmas. You're like, come on, granddad, let's go into the corner. I want cake. And you're like, yeah, you'll have the cake after dinner. <laughs> Sorry, Adam, we, we love you, but it's, you know, you, there's too many jokes to make. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Every, like, every time, like, um, I'd like to imagine he has like um remember that scene in in um in uh, what was it uh New Hope when Alderaan gets blown up and Obi Obi Wan senses it senses yeah. it I I feel like that's that's how uh, Alan Morris like whenever whenever someone makes a stupid decision over at DC he feels it <laughs> I can see that or better yet um you know the bit with um. When Han Solo dies in The Force Awakens, you see everyone that connected with, connected with him through the Force, like, feels it. Basically, yeah. when they announced Doomsday Cop, that essentially was his reaction. <laughs> basically, him, you cut the layer, basically him feeling her, and then cuts the Chewie with his face on it, basically shooting DC. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I can imagine. But, again... Even Me? though we make fun of it, even though we're making fun of Alan Moore, at least he's a more copyrighted Bendis. I mean, because <laughs> because here's the thing with Alan Moore, he, as as much as as off the rails as his recent writing has has been, he's at least consistent with his bullshit. 
Bendis oh, isn't. <laughs> Again, if he does follow continuity, it's like a very minuscule continuity. Like, for instance, I know with his stuff with Iron Man, he follows no continuity except for the crossover stuff that he did with Doom and Doctor Strange, and that's about it. Why is Tony Stark in a coma? Why Why is Tony Stark have an intelligent AI? When was this set up? I don't know, but it's in my book, so fuck you. Oh my god, yeah, I just... Uh, Bender's writing Superman, I just don't think it's a good idea. I can see him making... Oh god, I can imagine him making Jonathan go through puberty. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck you, Dad. <laughs> Fuck you, Dad. I'm going out drinking. You're only 12. I don't give a damn. Get back here, son. I'm going to give you such a whooping. <laughs> oh, my God. I, I just... Oh. <laughs> Superman. God, remember that drug commercial with uh, with the son and, and the father? Where, where he's yeah. like, oh, I learned it from watching you. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, well, what was it? It's like um, Superman goes through a midlife crisis and basically starts spying on Lois and basically spec Lois of having an affair with him and everything like that. <laughs> I can see Bender's doing that. And then there'd be a bunch of social media stuff as well with, like, basically, there'd be, I don't know, our characters, like, Damien basically like, hey, Superboy, hey, Damien, you're not the longest time. I know I'm being right by Bender's. Let's set up a social media account and film stuff we do and put it on it. Isn't that kind of go against your whole type ethos? Oh, who cares about continuity? Yeah, no shit. <laughs> just doing that. And then basically he does a load of stuff that would tie into Super Sons, and then the Super Sun writer just sits there like, fuck, psych, stop changing the <laughs> continuity. <laughs> he basically goes to imagine the writer for Super Super Sons, basically just walk over to the cubicle where Bender says, and they just throw him. <laughs> it's like, stop changing everything oh man it's 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 just god help me it's gonna be terrible but it's something that's that was inevitable honestly it really and was i think i would have been more i think i would be more annoyed if he actually took the teen titans oh Oops. god that would have been worse yeah because they actually have been really good as well oh, well, Nightwing, for that matter. oh god <laughs> Mar- well. if, if he did that marv wolfman would have a fucking heart attack <laughs> I just can't just imagine. I've met Marvel Wolf, I mean, he's a really, really nice guy. Yeah, yeah, I've, I've met him too, and he's he's a sweetheart. So I'm sorry for that. That that oh god, that's actually dark. I'm sorry. <laughs> oh my god! And I mean, I know. I mean, Marvel Mar- Mar- I mean, he's he's a great dude. I mean, it's it's hard to get him pissed off, but honestly, if if he if anyone could get him pissed off, I'm pretty sure Bendis could. <laughs> oh god, yeah, Bendis can get him wound up. Easily with anything he does. Yeah. <clears throat> God, imagine him writing all the Deathstroke stuff. Oh God, don't you fucking start, dude! Don't you fucking tempt me. But basically, he's like, "Oh yeah, Deathstroke, you have had another son from another country with another woman, and yeah, and he actually has been a long-established character for years." Wait, what? <laughs> Let's kill Deathstroke off and replace him with a fucking teenage black girl. <laughs> <laughs> You know he only did that with Ironheart because he basically wanted a superhero that his daughter... I, I give him credit for this. It's like he wanted a superhero 
a black female superhero and so his daughter can look up to. Fair enough, I can understand that. But Oh, is that why she was poorly written? <laughs> well, no, no, that's just, just poor, really bad execution. It's just like, no, man, I mean, I wrote it for my daughter. Okay, then why aren't you setting an example by actually giving her something good to fucking read? <laughs> you ever think of that? <laughs> you ever think of that? <laughs> No, I did not, sir. I did not. <laughs> it's the reason why Marvel legacy characters was just the only reason why people like Miles and Marvel Con, Miss Marvel. That's the only reason why, because they actually gave them time to develop the characters, but that's side the point we're getting off topic again. Fuck Bendis, that's all I gotta say. Fuck Bendis. <laughs> yeah, like I said, I judge it fully when, when I read the first issue he does, but again, apparently he's going to be joining after Superman, action comic Superman Hunt. A thousand, but hey, I knowing him, he probably write everything that has previously done out of continuity, all completely in all. Acknowledge it, but doesn't acknowledge it. You know, he Bender's had this weird thing, like he acknowledges. Have you noticed this? He acknowledges previous continuity, but he doesn't address it. Why does Lex Luthor have hair now? I don't know. Fuck you. <laughs> why has Lois? Have, why is Lois suddenly going to menopause? Don't know. Why is Superman having a midlife crisis and wearing the blue suit again? Who knows? Why is Jonathan Kent being an angsty teenager and telling Superman to fuck off? Who knows? Puberty, maybe. Well, I mean, at least, uh, look on the bright side, at least Superman got his fucking red underwear back. Yay. (laughs) Okay, how long until Ben just get rid of it? Basically, uh, basically, I can imagine it'd be some stupid reason, like Lois basically put him in the washing machine and basically they came out pink. And then Superman have a problem with pink and then it'd be a whole entire social issue. <laughs> no, Ben does do that. God, have you, have you, speaking of like dumb Superman stories, have you, have you read the um, Superman story where he has like a, where Lois Lane wants to be black and, and Superman has a fucking machine that turns her black, literally? <laughs> Seriously? That's... No, I have not heard about this one. Let me guess. Is this from the Silver Age? Yeah, from the 70s. Of course. I remember there was an issue when... Was it... Was it apparently... There was a villain that turned Lois Lane fat, but it turned out that Superman was behind it all along because he didn't want people to kidnap Lois anymore. (laughs) I I knew that. I knew that was a thing, and apparently what's the other one? Oh, what's the other dumb Silver Age stuff? I'm trying to remember from my head. Um, but I can't remember any of it at the moment. But yeah, there's dungeon like that. Oh, no, 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 this is not Silver Age stuff, but I think the dumbest I've ever heard, that the one you said, was when the Punisher was surgery turned black. So basically, they've tried to let this bounty on his head die down. And he teams up with Luke Cage. And he feels the struggle being a black person. Really? You look it up, the Punisher turned into a black guy. Oh God! <laughs> and over the course, over the course of the comic, he become whiter and whiter and whiter, and it's not like a gradual transition. He basically goes from black to grey to white. Oh my God! You didn't know about this? No. And this wasn't quite recent. This was like I think it was like early nineties, late eighties. Holy shit! This is disturbing. Yeah. Punch of blackface. <laughs> the comic is amazing. 
The funny, oh god, I gotta, I wanna read this now. This looks so fucking hilarious. Well, you mean, there's, there's a cover, there's a cover with both him and Luke Cage on it, and oh my god, it is so bad. You know what this reminds me of? This reminds me of, have you seen the Rick and Morty episode with the inter- interdimensional cable? With, with, oh god, yeah. With two brothers. <laughs> oh god, it does look like the two brothers. <laughs> yeah, two brothers. That don't stuff together. <laughs> Two brothers who suddenly had to deal with a UFO major. Two brothers who had to deal with the apocalypse. <laughs> oh god, I remember, I remember the Family Guy episode where he where where there's a cutaway gag and Peter or the oh no, it was the episode where Peter finds out he's black. <laughs> oh my god. Eh? I don't know, but there's some weird stuff. Again, there's some weird stuff in comics, and I think the other time with the Punisher, um, you want to tell me your, uh, you want me to tell you another weird Punisher, Punisher moment? Oh, is this Frankenstein. Oh, God, I, I'm looking at Punisher stuff, and there's this guy wearing um, a, a meat face <laughs> made of muscle. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's not the weirdest stuff. You've ever seen Frank and Punisher. When that was actually that was actually a really fun book, the Frank and Punisher stuff. Yeah, well, we agree with it, but it's still, if you are a non-comic reader, you knew nothing about the Punisher. That oh no, wait, wait, I can top that. The Punisher becomes an archangel, a messenger from God to kill people. Oh no, to kill demons. <laughs> and he had those two. And he had those two light guns. When I just when I remember when I saw that, I was like, okay, you're trying to be spoiled. Okay. <laughs> oh god, and and it wasn't until like uh, Garth Ennings came came in on the book and and gave him that you know pretty much made Frank the character he is today. Is it weird that the Netflix show actually did have done a better job with punishment than 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 anyone has in the last couple of years? I mean, I'm... they actually made him likable. Oh god, I re- I remember him fighting the polar bear. <laughs> Yeah, Punisher's such a fucking stupid character. I'm sorry. Have you ever seen the Punisher in his Captain America outfit? Oh yeah. Uh, After Civil War. This is this yeah. is uh, guys. This is now this is now a, a Punisher podcast. We are now officially a Punisher podcast. Yeah, I just realized. Yeah. You know what's weird? Um, when I typed in the Punisher turned black in the top search engine, there is the cover for when Lois got turned into a black lady on it. Yeah, yeah, I told you. You didn't believe me, but it's a real story. Well, it's a Lois Lane book, so I'm not too surprised. I'm still disappointed that DC has not released a trade paperback of those fucking stories. Because those look fucking atrocious and fun to read. Well, they started re-releasing the Superman Golden Age collection, so they might do. Or better yet, or better yet, we should get a trade of Jimmy Olsen, Superman's best pal. When Jimmy Olsen turned into a turtle man. Oh god, have you have we seen the Batman Brave and the Bald episode where they reference that? Yeah. Oh, was that funny. was so brilliant. <laughs> Jimmy, you're my best friend, but you've gone too far this time. You must be destroyed. <laughs> I think that was an actual line from that actual comic. That's the reason why it was like that. I just love that episode so much because it just it reminded me of how fucking stupid Silver Age Superman was. Yeah, I think that was an actual line from the comic. The reason why why it was like that. 
Oh man, fun times. Well, I mean, we got completely off topic again, but you know, this is us. This is us. When we talk about stuff, I I usually find something more interesting to talk about, and then it just becomes that. (laughs) Yeah, kind of does. Yeah, that's the sad truth. Anyway, um, you got anything else to talk about before we wrap this up, or is that it? No, I think that's pretty much it. I got. I really got nothing else to say. Yeah. So thanks for listening. We'll see you all later. Bye bye. Bye.